This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to XNL Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by my buddy who is the co-host of Turn On The Jets Film Room over at our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV, Mr. Joe Blewett. What's going on, Joe? Uh, nothing. Driving in the car, performing some of my uh, boyfriend duties, going to get uh, <laughs> the, the, the lady friend right now. So she's going to be in the car with me in a few minutes here. Uh, hopefully you don't hear any background noise, but if you do, you're going to just have to get over it. <laughs> I'm sure she's just as excited as I am and you are and everybody listening to this is to hear all about Josh Allen, the defensive end slash outside linebacker from Kentucky. So let's talk all about him here. Some say he is the edge rusher that the Jets need, and I want to find out whether or not he is. So let's get into his strengths and weaknesses. First of all, I think one of the things that makes him such an impressive prospect is his ceiling because of his strength, his speed, and his athleticism. Great Ben, too. Tell me about all of these traits with Josh Allen. Yeah, and it's 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 widely believed throughout you know NFL circles, anybody who's really scouting, that you really need five things um to be able to to succeed as a as a pass rusher in the nfl and that's strength it's technique it's bend it's burst and it's arm length josh allen has every single one of those traits and and the and the ability where you're talking about okay strength is he is he fantastic in that area um no but does he have the capability to um, make that a strength of his yes he does and that's where you have to that's the difficulty when you're evaluating NFL prospects and how they're going to turn out to the NFL, because you have to look not only at their, what they are now, but what they project to beat, uh, what they can turn into. And that's where you hear Josh Allen. Okay. You know, really high um, ceiling, but also he has a, no, I'm not going to say a super low floor, but a floor of a guy um, like a, you know, a Dante Fowler level player or like a letter floor Floyd level player. Where they're still making an impact, but they're only getting, you know, four five, six, seven sacks a year where his ceiling, because of those five traits that I, that I just spoke about, he's a player who can reach a ceiling of 18, 19, 20 sacks um, every other couple of years or maybe stacks two years on top of each other uh, like a guy, like a and, – and I'm not saying he's going to be this. I'm saying that he can be this. So don't, don't like, kind of, you know, twist up my words when people are listening to this, but he has that ceiling of guys like a Khalil Mack if he hits it or like a Von Miller – uh, guys who possess all five of those traits. So that's why he's such an intriguing prospect where guys have him as high as three, like I personally do. And there's other people who have him, you know, as low as, you know, around the 10 range, which I do not agree with because of that ceiling, but I can understand why. Uh, where the other guys that we're going to talk about with, you know, Quentin Williams or have to talk about with Quentin Williams and Nick Bosa, um, they're they're pretty much lockstep with one and two, whichever one you want to have that one and two. Um, where Josh Allen is a little bit more polarizing, but uh, yeah, he, he definitely has that high ceiling. That's why he's such an intriguing guy. That's why a lot of Jets fans want him at three. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. 
Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. He has some issues technique-wise, and before we get into his pluses and minuses as a pass rusher, I wanted to hit on this. Tell me a little bit about what he's going to need to fix at the next level from a technique standpoint. Technique standpoint in the run game, you're going you're gonna to want to see him uh, attack guys more at the line of scrimmage and create a, a harder edge, where there are times where a tight end, um, whatever tight end it was, I forget exactly what game it was, but there's times where he's not stacking properly, where he'll, he'll penetrate a little bit too far upfield, and that gives the um, the running back a, a very wide uh, gap to cut through. Where if if he's on the edge, you know, against that tackle or the tight end, let's just say it's the tight end for this example. If he's going to penetrate too hard upfield, then get then guess what? That C gap is is a massive hole. Or there's times where he'll be on the edge and he'll need to contain the edge. But instead of instead of stacking, keep his, keeping his hips square, if anything, cheating a little bit far outside because he does at the end of the day, that's his primary goal is to, is to contain the edge. You'll see him sometimes try to penetrate inside and then get blocked inside while the running back is cutting outside of him. So in the, in the run game, um, there's a big thing with stacking the edge and getting a little bit heavier in the pants. Uh, he has a very strong upper body, and you can notice that on film when he's just using his arms. And his, and his torso, he's a strong player, but he needs to develop a little bit more strength in his legs, add a couple more pounds uh, to his base uh, to be able to to hold against tackles and, and drive blocks and kick out blocks and things like that. Uh, so a lot of the technique work comes from the run game. And then the technique in the pass game is more of the uh, more of uh, reaching that ceiling where the run game it's like necessary like it's necessary he needs to do that now when we talk about that ceiling that he has in, in pass rushing um, it's if he fixes these technique things and adds more moves so I don't know if you're going if you want to compile moves with technique but that's I, I think moves are technique and I see a lot of chops a lot of swipes and turning into rips and bending that corner which has bend his speed and his explosion uh, plus ankle flexibility plus that hip and, and, and torso flexibility is something really impressive for his size. But you want to see more of those inside moves. You want to see some answer some moves, which I heard there's always some kind of narratives going around, which, which some were definitely correct, um, where he didn't really win inside. Now, I was encouraged towards the end of the year um, where I saw some hump moves, where a guy, where an, uh, you know, an offensive tackle would get, be getting beat outside, but then recover and be leaning a lot of their upper body you know, into Allen and he would feel that he would feel that they're they're light on their feet and they're leading a lot of their upper body you know into him which is which is a key time to use a hump move which basically you're going to be on the opposite you're going to be let's say if you're on the left side you're going to throw your right arm hook their left side and you're going to basically toss them to where the, the momentum's going you're going to cut back inside um and in terms of an outside linebacker at least an edges uh you know uh, you know situation so I saw that from him. I saw some times where he would burst up field and then use a cross chop and shoot inside. So I saw at the end of the year, uh, which is a good thing because he's a player that you heard about uh, or I heard about before I watched him who was very, very raw 
two years ago, he didn't really have a lot of pass rush He wasn't as developed. And this year he developed more. So I saw the development that he took from, you know, from two years ago to this year. And then I even saw the development that he took from the beginning of his 2018 season um, into his into the end of his 2018 season going into 2019. So that was definitely an impressive thing for me. Um, but with all edge rushers, you need a very strong counter to your main move and a very strong counter um, to speed rushers is, is speed to power. Because listen, if I'm going to burst off that line of scrimmage, you're going to open, you're going to open up your hips really quickly. You're going to be on your toes trying to get outside because you think I'm going to beat you. Um, you know, outside, I'm going to, I'm going to get to the outside of you. Then I'm going to, I'm going to, bend the edge and flatten that that that, uh, that angle and then get to the quarterback. Um, and guess what? If you do that and you're doing that and you're doing that too much and too often, uh, I'm going to start using speed to power where I'm going to give you that, that wide angle around the arc. And then as soon as you open up those hips, you're on your toes. I'm going to change that angle from, from wide straight into you. I'm going to get under you. I'm going to get my elbows tight. I'm going to rush you right back into the quarterback. And you want to develop those moves though. That, that, that's that bull rush where, like I said, you're going to open, you're going to open up those hips. You're going to bowl them back into the quarterback. Um, and you also want to develop some inside counters, just like you, you don't always have to use that bull rush. But listen, if you're going to overset, even if I'm not going to bull rush you this time, guess what? I'm going to dip my left elbow and see if you're rushing off, let's say, the right side. Um, and then I'm going to, I'm going to get my, my inside foot tight to you. I'm going to spin you. Or if you're going to overset, I'm going to use that cross chop. So you want to develop more counters to if they're oversetting you. Because listen, if you can only use speed of power um, and they're oversetting you where they're really, like I said, opening up quickly, getting wet on their toes, if you can't counter that, uh, versus a good tackle, uh, like a guy like Tyron Smith, and you can't use speed to power, you can't use inside counters, they're going to shut you down. So that's that's areas in his game that he needs to develop to be an elite pass rusher. So um, that's uh, if that can happen, then he should be one of the top players in the draft. If he doesn't develop those areas, then that's why some guys have him as low as not 9 or 10. But I've seen examples of it, like I said, at the end of the season, um, with that with that hump move, with that cross shot, that I believe he can, he can do that. And speed to power... Um, I already, I've already seen the power that he has. I think in the in the run game, some of the lack of power that he has is a little bit with the legs, but I also think it's a little bit with technique, keeping a wide base, knowing how to play on, on under his um, under his his shoulders and keep and you know keep in within his frame. So I think it's a little bit more technique than it's just pure power. You have to understand how much technique plays into power and how powerful you are and how powerful it seems you are. Um, so that's, that, those are some areas he needs to develop to, to really break through that uh, or get to that ceiling. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Before we dive deeper into the pass rush aspect of Josh Allen, let's continue with the running game. You talked a little bit about the weaknesses. Can you expand on him overall as a prospect as far as defending the run goes? Yeah, the, the run game, there are some times where I would like to see him chase down some more run to give some, some effort where he's a little bit iffy. Um, 
with that, but there are definitely some plays in the run game where he'll he'll still set it. He'll still set a strong edge, uh, make make a really good tackle, use that athletic, uh, that athleticism. In terms of being on the backside of a run, uh, leaving him unblocked on the backside is a very very bad bad thing to do because of his explosion, his length, and uh, you know some of the power that he has. He's going to get that running back. So there are some plays in the running game where where he's going to impress you. He's going to make a play. Um, but it's just it's just the inconsistency and the areas I talked about before with with oversetting um, and a, a gap which opens up a bigger gap for the running back or or setting the wrong way or not stacking the right way or not playing you know underneath his pads or not using his extension. So um, he he still will make plays, but to become a a good or a plus run defender, he will have to develop. Um, in those areas, especially contain the run, you never want to see a guy lose containment on the edge, um, and then have you know running back obviously break free for you know a, a gain that should have been two three yards, um, and instead turn it into a, a gain that's you know fifteen twenty twenty five yards. So he, that's definitely a big area that he has to develop in. Um, but it's not like he he cannot do that. Let's talk a little bit about Josh Allen in coverage because this is something that some people have talked about, and I think it's worth mentioning. He's not a guy that's necessarily going to be a blanket cover guy, but he's very good at disrupting passing routes, from what I've seen. Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's one of the most intriguing things about him because we we you know we we've been heavy already on the pass rush, or we we discussed the pass rush and we've discussed the running game. Um, but the versatility that he has in pass coverage is something that, that's as really, it's super impressive. Um, multiple examples I put up when I did the, I already did a podcast on him in the YouTube video. I already put up the review of him matching tight ends, uh, getting in their hip pockets, getting hands on, getting his eyes back to the quarterback, playing the upfield hip, um, and then, ju- and then jumping up uh, you know, underneath to the uh, hip that's closer to the quarterback to play the ball. We've seen some nice pass deflections. Um, so he's, he's a guy who can actually cover as well when you have that ability to be so versatile it definitely helps out your case in, in being a high draft pick because you want a guy who do multiple things so you have a guy who could, pa- who, could, who could rush the passer but now you also have a guy um who could cover a tight end he can cover a running back out of the backfield so you can do so many different things with him he's a guy who doesn't need to just play um you know on on the edge right there and just strictly rush, rush the passer like i said you can you can blitz him from a linebacker position he can play in hook zones he can play in curl the flats he can play and hook the seams. He can play man. So that's another piece of him. That's, that's, uh, you know, like I said, a reason why he's going to be drafted as highly as he is, uh, because he is that, that super versatile, uh, chess piece in many areas of his game. Let's dive a little bit more into the pass rushing that you saw from him. Obviously he took a huge step forward this past season. He'd had seven sacks each of his first two and then jumped out to 17. What did you see from his 2018 tape that you looked at and said, wow, this guy can be a really great pass rusher at the next level? Yeah, it's like, you know, um, to be that top end guy, those five traits I mentioned before, um, you have to be a freak athlete in many ways with the arm length, with the power, uh, with the bend and with that first step explosion. And those are all things that he uh, possesses in his game. And he showed it. Um, consistently with all the sacks that he got. And, you know, some people say, oh, well, did he play, you know, top-end talent? And there was games where he was playing top uh, SEC teams and still producing at a, at a pretty high level. So that wasn't a question in my mind. Uh, and just that, that combination of, of speed and bend around the edge uh, was something incredible. And then when you, when you throw that speed and, speed and bend with some good moves um, being his, his chop 
and then that that chop into that rip or that swipe into that rip and then bending the edge and flattening really really quickly he's able to drop his hips and change his angles so quickly uh to to like i said flatten out and get to the quarterback it, it was something that was really impressive on film and it stood out you know pretty much every single game that he played in whether it be uh, you know, lower tier teams or top end SEC teams. So that's something that I saw, and that was one of the first things I noticed was that that bend, especially for a guy. Listen, he's not a guy, you know, like Brian Burns, who you you bring up valid points when you talk about him. You know, people are are giddy about him in certain aspects of his game, but he's he was playing at 230 pounds. It's a little bit different playing at 230 pounds than playing at 260 pounds and still being able to consistently show that bend and that technique that Josh Allen uh, showed on a, on a game-to-game basis. So um, that was something, like I said, sp- speed, power, size, all combined into one uh, that stands out you know, every single play. Were there any plays in particular that stood out to you? No, this is the one like, I always have, like, with the Quentin Williams, we were talking about Quentin Williams, I had to play. We were talking about Jameson Crowder, I had to play. This was more of just a, a consistent basis of, of bending that edge, chopping down, um, and, and getting around the quarterback. There was times where he was literally as low, where it looked like he was almost parallel to the ground. Uh, and it was so frequent that it, it wasn't just one or two plays, so none of them stood out because he did that. Uh, really all the time. So if that makes any sense. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk a little bit about what he projects to be if he were to be in Greg Williams' defense. There are some that have said that he could be a Khalil Mack type because of the freak athleticism if he hits his ceiling, and also because, like you said, he has that rare ability for an edge guy to actually disrupt passing routes and be an effective weapon against the passing game. Do you see that as a possibility? Could he potentially be, if he hits his ceiling, Greg Williams' version of Khalil Mack? So instead of being that Khalil Mack player, I think a great you know comparison for greg williams defense is exactly what he had last year in miles garrett because miles garrett was a guy who played you know all over the line now miles garrett i think he's in a you know you saw him at nine tech you saw him at seven tech you saw him covering tight ends a little bit you saw him in, in some coverage where i think josh allen is not as strong to play in the inside as a zero one tech three tech like miles garrett was I also think he's a little bit more athletic where you're going to see him um, in coverage a little bit more than Miles Garrett was because he is a, a plus athlete in that way where, you know, Miles Garrett, you could see him in a hook zone, a curl to flat, but he couldn't match tight ends. He couldn't match uh, running backs like Alan Ken. So he was a little bit more of a, he's a, just as a versatile piece, a little bit different way um, than a, than a Miles Garrett. You're going to see him fre- frequently like Garrett rushing as a nine tech, uh, as a five tech. Uh, with that speed, with that raw athleticism. So he's going to be a guy who's moved all around, like I said, with Greg Williams' defense and how versatile it is and how many different things he does. Um, he's a guy who's going to be standing up at outside linebacker as a Sam, as a Will, as a Jack. Um, so there's a bunch of things he's going to do. Um, and that's that's a, that's a part of the appeal with him, like we were just talking about, with the pass rush and with the ability to cover. So that's why he's such an intriguing prospect. Let's talk about the high ceiling and relatively middle of the road to low-ish floor that Josh Allen has, because I think this is an important thing. 
if his floor were higher, obviously he'd be a no-brainer in the top two or three. I think you think that he should be in the top two or three anyway, but there are some, including Connor Rogers from Bleach Report, our buddy who has him ranked as his 19th best prospect, and you've talked about this before. There are people that have him anywhere from, say, number three all the way to like number 10 or number 15. And, of course, we talk about ceiling, and I think we probably agree that he has a higher ceiling than Nick Bosa, but uh-huh. you still have Nick Bosa ranked over him for reasons that you'll get into when you do it. Nick Bosa review talk to me a little bit about what the difference is there between the ceiling and the floor where do you see that floor being exactly yeah we just talked about a little bit before the the floor is because of the technical refinement that he needs in his game where we've talked about Quentin Williams where he has all the technical aspects now does he need to you know obviously brush on uh, up on them a little bit at the NFL level yeah that, that that goes without saying you're not a finished product and at 21 years old um, at Alabama, just like Josh Allen's not, but Josh Allen hasn't consistently shown the ability to win inside and to uh, you know convert speed into power, which you saw it sometimes. We didn't see it enough to to mark it down as something he could consistently do, um, and to be that top end guy, just like we talked about with guys like Von Miller and with guys like Khalil Mack, um, you need to be able to you know, do that and be consistent and using different techniques. You can't just rely on speed rush, bend, chops, swipes, and rifts. That's that's what he does primarily. Now, what were there different moves? Obviously, there's different moves. He didn't do that every single rep, um, but it was so much to a point where you have to uh, concern yourself if he could do, you know, the hump move, the, cr- the inside cross chop like I talked about before um, at an effective level in the NFL because he was inexperienced at doing it in college. Um, so that's, that's something where, so that's somewhere where he has to develop big time and pass rush to get to that ceiling. And then also, um, in terms of like the floor in the run game, if he doesn't start setting the edge uh, stronger, taking better position, getting underneath his, his shoulder pads, um, and contain that edge, then he's going to be a guy who's, you're not going to want him in on, on heavy running downs. He's going to get blown off the ball and not be able to contain that edge. So, uh, he has the physical traits to do it, and I've seen that he's he's done it before. But refining in those areas and and you know growing that spin move, that bull rush, um, that cross chop inside, if he if he presses to the outside and and cuts across the left tackle or right tackle's face, then he could reach that ceiling uh, that we're that we're talking about. And that's a lot of things he has to do. That's why he's so intriguing because he can do it. Uh, he possesses all of those five traits that are necessary to be an elite rusher. That's guys like we'll talk about when you said it. Or you said it before, and Nick Bosa, I don't believe he possesses, possesses all those five traits that uh, Josh Allen has. Now he's a lot better player right now because of the technical refinement, and I think he's a higher floor because of the technique, and we've talked about technique being the most important thing. They're all good athletes. Uh, there's a difference between good athletes, freak athletes, which we, we've talked about before as well. Um, but with all those things I'm talking about, with that speed, with that bend, with that arm length, with that power, and what with what he's shown at Kentucky, I think he can develop. Like you said, uh, two years ago, he was. You already said he had two, four sacks, whatever it was. I didn't watch that season of him. Um, but as far as he's grown in one season, you, you're you're expecting that the next year he's just going to continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow. And it, it was very encouraging. And this is something I didn't know before I started watching the film um, that he never really won inside when I was watching it at first. But then I started to watch games later in the year. Uh, I believe the last game that he played of the 2000, actually 18, 2019 season was Penn State. And that's the game where he had three sacks. 
And I believe two of those sacks or one of those pressures came from a hump move. And one of those pressures came from pressing up the field on the arc and then using a cross chop to cross the left tackle's face. And those are things I didn't see. So you're hoping that he keeps building and builds those moves. So I've seen it enough. I've seen it at least sometimes where I have um, some sort of faith that he can build that, but it's not a guarantee yet uh, where guys like, like, Quentin Williams and Bosa are pretty much guaranteed with her t- techniques. So that's why he has a, a lower end floor. I'm not talking like a low floor, like a guy who's going to get one, two sacks a year and be out of the NFL. I'm talking about a low floor guy who's getting four or five, six sacks as compared to a guy who's getting, you know, 18, 19, 20 sacks a year, uh, which is obviously a pretty wide range. That's why he's such a pol- polarizing player. I don't think it's correct to to put him, you know, everybody is, is obviously entitled to their own opinion, but putting him as low as 18, 19 with his ceiling, I, I think is, is pretty absurd in my opinion. Uh, that, but that's just me and, you know, I'm going to say what I think. But regardless, uh, those are some of the reasons that I you know, think that he's, uh, he has that, that high floor. It's, it's the bend uh, and, that, and that strength plus speed uh, for that size. That's just so intriguing. Um, to watch, plus the development, you know, slowly over his uh, collision career. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Do you think that his floor would be a mediocre player, or do you think it could mm-hmm. be as weak as, say, a very bad player or a guy that might not even be starter level? No, I, I think I think his floor is is like just like a decent a decent starter level. I'm not going to go as far as okay, he's going to be you know out of the NFL because. He'll he'll still beat bad offensive linemen in the NFL with that speed, with that bend, with that cross chop, or, or swipe into a rip, or chop into a rip. Um, so he's still going to win sometimes just with that freak that, that freakish athleticism. Um, but it always comes down to okay, well, can you beat those upper tier tackles um, in the NFL to make you that really good to to elite type player? Which, like I said, I think he can do. Um, but he's still going to be a guy who. Is going to get at least five, six, seven sacks a year, eight sacks a year, um, maybe as as his floor. Uh, so I don't think it's so low where he's not going to be a starter, and he's going to be you know your fortieth guy on the roster. Uh, but it's also still a wide range, um, and like I said, that is why he's so he is so polarizing. There have been people that have talked about him as if he is Anthony Barr. And I think this is kind of a weird comparison. And bear in mind, I like Anthony Barr, and I really liked him coming out of UCLA. But I don't really see the comparison. It doesn't make sense to me. Do you agree? We've said this before on your podcast, I'm, I'm sure. I, we've, we talk about we have so many shows, I forget what we talk about sometimes. Um, but after watching Barr, like, I, I texted you. I said I was not very high on the guy. I, I believe the, the word I use is meh, which I always use when I kind of feeling like kind of iffy on a, on a guy. Anthony Barr is a, a, a he's a he's with uh, the Vikings. He's a stand up four uh, three outside linebacker, whether that be Sam or Will. He's not. He was not a guy who was rushing, you know, consistently off the edge. Where I think Josh Allen, it's not just pure athleticism uh, or just one or two moves. It is a couple moves outside, but the problem being that it was just too much outside. Um, it wasn't just pure athleticism. So there, there are different players. One was stand up. One was. Uh, for the most part, an edge who could cover tight ends and and running backs. I I just think people hear like, okay, well, you know, he's athletic and he can cover running backs. Oh, well, Anthony Barr can do that too. I've heard his name before. I know he can do that. So let's just compare them. And they're really completely different players. Even just like a uh, comparing him to a guy like a Leonard Floyd. Um, Leonard Floyd, like, okay, yeah, they both have the same body type. And it's hard to make comparisons, um, especially because I just started watching, you know really like deep into college players this year, even like a little bit last year. Leonard Floyd was a guy who was lighter than Josh Allen. He was a guy who had that freakish athleticism, 
but he he won a lot, you know, more inside. Um, and he was a guy who didn't have that strength to to maintain, you know, basically bending that arc and, and flattening out his angle uh, through contact when he got to the quarterback's level. So like they're they're different players, um, and everybody's a different player. So it's it, I, I think just I, I think it's a lazy narrative just to say oh well, he's Anthony Barr. They're 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 different. They're different in college. They're different um, from him in Kentucky and uh, what Barr was you know with the Vikings. And the thing with the Vikings that a lot of people say about Anthony Barr, like yeah you know. Uh, he didn't really rush the passer and all this stuff. Listen, if he was that good of a pass rusher, they would have found a way to get him as a pass rusher. He wouldn't have been standing up as much. And when I watched him, and it's not an Anthony Barr podcast, but he was he was pretty terrible. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Like r- rushing the passer, um, unless everything just just completely melted away that he had at UCLA, um, he would just run straight into guys. He didn't do anything. He didn't use chops or swipes or rips or ice picks or you know, whatever it may be. Um, and Josh Allen has shown more of that in college. And I think Barr showed me even at the NFL level, when I watched him uh, for those two, three, four games, I was watching him. And I thought he was, you know, signed with the jets for those, whatever it was, four hours or, or whatever. Um, so they're not, not similar guys. I don't think they have a, a similar floor on the similar ceiling. I just, they're, they're completely different to me. I'll always fondly remember the Anthony Barr era of New York Jets football, for as short as it was. But, Joe, I want to ask you one thing about schemes, because you touched on it a little bit there with Anthony Barr, and we talked about this earlier with Josh Allen being a 3-4 edge. I wonder if the fact that Greg Williams typically runs more 4-3 bases, and you've said Mm -hmm. yourself you think he's going to transition to that eventually. Does that devalue Josh Allen in your eyes as far as the Jets goes? Because I know he can mix and match a little bit, but we both know that Allen is much more suited to play in a 3-4 than a 4-3. If Williams is eventually planning to transition to that 4-3, do you think that that takes a little bloom off the rose if you're the Jets? A little bit of bloom off the rose. (laughs) Uh, I think it's the first time I've ever heard that expression, but yeah, a, a, a little bit, yes. Um, he's definitely more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think a little bit of that versatility helps where I said he can stand up and blitz up the A-gap, um, and he could play Sam, he could play he could play Jack, he could play uh, Will. He could play a lot of those positions, but as a, as a full-time guy, like you want that to be partial, um, where you do want him to be a 3-4 outside linebacker at times, rushing as a 5-tech, as a 7-tech, 9-tech. Uh, primarily, for sure. You don't want him as a as a four three end, where he's going to be inside the tackle, have to deal with a lot more combo blocks. Um, instead, you want him rushing wide more times than not. But the the good thing with the Greg Williams scheme is uh, he did typically and and very frequently split his his defense ends out wide. That's what you saw Miles Garrett a lot. If you watch a lot of Browns tape from last year, he was splitting Miles Garrett out to a nine tech. And you you would see, and this is what we talked about, I believe we did a podcast about Greg Williams. Like I said, I just forget all the podcasts we do now, um, where you would see those two nine techs split out wide. They would basically take the tackles out of the box. Um, and then they would really just just cram the inside um, with with stunts and exchanges to confuse the interior of the offensive line. Um, so I think that's a role that he can fill. Uh, I think if they were to slowly transition to a four three, you know, you could see an over or an under front, and then you just see, you know, Josh Allen have that same type of role um, where he is rushing from outside of the tackle. So I think he could fit in that, but would he fit as as well? Because there is still going to be some still some times in a four three where you're going to need to be inside the tackles. Um, so it's not as good, but I still think he he could transition into it, but it's not, it's just not ideal. 
Let's talk about where you see Josh Allen in the grand scheme of things. You have him ranked as your number three guy. If the Jets landed him at number three, let's say they stay put, and your two top guys, which in whatever order you want to put them, I know you have Quinn and Williams number one and Nick Bosa number two, but regardless, both guys are off the board. Would you be happy if the Jets stayed at number three and grabbed Josh Allen? Are you confident enough that he's going to at least come close to reaching that ceiling that you talked about? Yeah, I, I would be happy. And you, you know, there's so many factors into this now. Like, if you're telling me, okay, well, the Jets could have traded back and grabbed, we have their two biggest needs in Greedy Williams and, let's say, uh, Bradbury, who I just started watching the other day, and, and he's a really, really good player, then I'd be a little bit more upset. But that's that's all depending on the situation. But if they were to stay there, you didn't know, know any of those other options. Um, he's my number three player, so I think he is worth the number three pick just because of that ceiling. If you have proper coaching, um, he could turn into that that Mac or Miller, and that that's a, that's obviously a really really high ceiling. But even if he's not one of those guys, he's not getting 19, 18 sacks. And he's getting fifteen, sixteen, seventeen sacks, which I think he could turn into. Um, I'll I'll take that risk on that because, like I said, the floor isn't super low, but it is low enough where it is still a pretty wide margin. So, um, but if he is taking at three, I'm happy with it. I don't see that happening where you you have both Bosa and Quinn Williams off the board personally because I do think. One of the teams are going to trade up for a quarterback, most likely. Um, if if you know the Cardinals aren't taking Murray at one, which seems like the the likely possibility, if they don't do it, somebody's going to trade up to one or two and grab somebody. Um, but if both those guys were off the board in this situation and Allen was there, I, I'm I'm happy with it. Um, I've watched him enough where I have some faith to think that he's going to reach a a pretty high ceiling and be a pretty good pass rusher, but. Uh, there still is a reason that he is my number three player, and that being um, the lower floor than guys like Bosa and, and Quinn Williams. What do you think the odds are that he comes much closer to his ceiling than his floor? Well, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say I, th- I think he he's closer to reaching that that ceiling, being that 14, 15. Uh, that's yeah, that's hard. 13, 14, 15 sack a year guy, um, but. And that's because I saw him at the end of the year use that hump move and use uh, that you know those moves where he would he would take two really aggressive steps upfield like he was rushing and going to bend the arc and then flatten out and then he would and then he would you know shift his hips uh, use that cross chop and then and then burst inside and get get uh, you know cross that tackle's face. So with him developing as far as he did from two years ago into last year and then from the beginning of last year to this year. I think his ceiling is just going to keep trending upwards, um, or or his play is going to keep trending upwards, and I, I think that he, it's not just going to you know come to a screeching halt. So I think he's going to keep growing, especially as NFL coaching and next to some you know better players and better talent around him to teach him because obviously Kentucky is not known for you know a great coaching and great talent. Um, like you know if he does come to the Jets, he's around some really good coaches. Greg Williams who's been in the you know in the NFL for twenty plus years and coaching football for like thirty years now. Um, so I think he's going to be closer to that that ceiling type player than he will be to that that floor type player of five, six, seven sacks a year. You talked about Greg Williams before, and we touched on this, and you did a whole show about Greg Williams breaking down his defense. How confident are you that he and his staff could get the most out of Josh Allen? I, th- I think it's a good possibility. Listen, now if he was with a guy like Greg Williams and a Von Miller Quilmack, then yeah, you're really confident. I'd have to look at Greg Williams' success rate with at, with outside linebackers and what he's turned them into when they when they uh, you know come in as young players. Um, which Miles Garrett, he's obviously there for two years, and Miles Garrett, this is his going to be his third year, Scott, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he had some develop or some success developing a guy like Miles Garrett. Now they're a little bit different players, but they still are 
you know, edge rusher slash DN type players, even though, you know, Miles Garrett being more of a, the DN type player and, and Allen being more of the outside linebacker type player, but it still is similar, you know, in a way. So I have faith in those guys. I have a lot more faith in Greg Williams developing him than I, than I would with Casey Rogers and Todd Bowles. That's for sure. Um, so I have some faith. You have, to, you have to have some faith in one of the best defensive coordinators or at least thought of to be one of the best defensive coordinators um, in the NFL today. So. I want to talk just edge rusher versus edge rusher. I know that you have Bosa rated higher than Allen simply because Bosa is a better player now and he's a safer bet. Do you think that there's any scenario in which the Jets could be convinced to take Allen over Bosa? No, I, I don't. I just think, especially with, with Mike McCagnan, we've talked about this before in regards to Quentin Williams, I think that his floor is so high McCagnan is... Regardless of the offseason, he still is, you know, on the hot seat. You know, maybe not this year, but the next couple of years, he still has to he has to prove that his his free agent signings are going to work out. I think taking, you know, skipping on a guy like Nick Bosa, who we've talked about, I, I think he's very relatable to his his brother Joey. Um, is a guy who's easily going to get 11, 12, 13 sacks a year. He doesn't have that high of a ceiling or as high of a ceiling as a guy like Josh Allen. But I, I think with such a high floor, he's had to take that player. Um, and I, I, I texted after I started watching both these guys, and I said I might rate Josh Allen higher than Nick Bosa, which obviously changed that, and, and Nick Bosa did end up being higher than Josh Allen because of that ceiling. But you have to take that ceiling you know, relatively to the floor as well. And I'd rather just take a guy who I know is going to get 12, you know, 13, 11 sacks a year um, as compared to the guy who might be a, you know, uh, just a decent guy with a really high ceiling. It, it, it's really factoring in um, ceiling versus floor. And I think McCagan's in that position where he needs to just take the safe player. And that's why I think if Bosa is gone and Quillen Williams is there, uh, you need to just take Quentin Williams. So we, <laughs> we've talked about him at length. Um, I think he's the best player in the draft easily. Or I'm, even though I'm not talking about him right now, but I, I think safe is definitely the best route um, for McCagan at this point. Uh, Josh Allen could be a little bit too much of a risk, but like I said, both of those guys are gone with the previous question. You asked me, I'm completely fine with taking a risk on that talent because I do still feel that he will be closer to that ceiling than the floor, but there is still that, that slight possibility that he, he does uh, you know, end up around that floor. So. He is the co-host of our film show, TOJ Film Room, over on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. Joe Blewett, thank you so much for coming on and talking a little Josh Allen with me. I was really looking forward to this because Allen's a bit of a polarizing prospect because the highs are so high and the lows are a little lower. But it's interesting to get a look at this guy who, by the way, is a local product. So there's a little bit of charm there as well. We'll see what the Jets think of him as the draft gets closer. I'm sure we're going to hear more and more of his name thrown out there in relation to the New York Jets. In the meantime, while we wait, Joe has a full show breaking down all the film on Josh Allen that he talked about. So if you really want to see in visual form all the things that he broke down on this show here today, go ahead over to our YouTube channel. Follow Joe on Twitter so that you can see the videos posted up there. Joe, for anybody that's unfamiliar, why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can do that. It must be their first time listening to your podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, Joe, Joe RB31 on Twitter, the YouTube, you just type in Turn on the Jets in the search bar, you'll find it. Uh, I have faith in you. And then the podcast app at TOJ Space Film Space Room. Um, and if you are one of those people who is really like intrigued, you want to know, okay, well, what do you mean by the cross chop and the bend? And the ankle flexibility that he has, I don't know if we, know if we hit on that in this podcast, but he does have that as well. Um, you want to see that like visually, so you actually know what I'm talking about. You can see it with your own eyes. Um, I do I do the show where I did the Josh Allen, 
Uh, I already did Quinn and Williams. I'm probably going to do Nick Bosa within the next couple of days. I'm going to pump out another, you know, 17 guys of the draft plus reviews of Mosley and Bell. So if you want to watch a film of these guys, instead of hearing a bunch of, you know, scouting reports and hot takey type stuff, uh, then you can catch me there. Go ahead and follow Joe on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, turn on the Jets TV, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.